good evening to everyone. It's very good to be here, and we're very thankful for the presence of everyone that's able to be with us for our midweek service. Um, what I plan to do tonight is I'm going to try and give a fairly short lesson, so we'll see what that means, but I'm going to try that. And then um, after we have our invitation song in lieu of closing announcements, we're going to extend those a little bit. And I'd like to just give a, a brief update, kind of a report on my recent trip to the UK. And so that's the goal tonight. I'll try and give a briefer lesson and then uh, give that report on the trip over to London and to Scotland. And so I hope that that's helpful and encouraging and beneficial as I share with you all um, the work that was done over there in that part of the world. Tonight, though, for our study, what I want to talk about is the concept of giving up. And not in the way you probably think. Usually when we think about giving up, we think that's a bad thing. That's something that we shouldn't do. So often we talk about the importance of not giving up. But I'm going to talk about the opposite of that. Tonight I want to talk for a little bit about the importance at some times of giving up. I'm going to encourage us in the right circumstances to give up. I want to read very briefly over in Acts chapter 21. Uh, in Acts 21, we're with the Apostle Paul. Luke is apparently with him because this is part of the, the we passages where Luke includes himself with the company that's traveling with Paul. And as Paul was traveling on this uh, final trip back to Jerusalem, prophets that he would encounter along the way kept telling Paul by inspiration that it was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit that if Paul returned to Jerusalem, that he was going to be bound and he was going to be arrested. And so obviously these brethren that he was visiting that cared for Paul very much, they were trying to talk Paul out of going back to Jerusalem. This appeared to be a warning. This appeared to be a, a heads up so that Paul wouldn't have to be arrested, so that Paul wouldn't have to be taken off the board, so to speak. But he could avoid Jerusalem and then he could continue going about with his good work. But listen to this uh, in verse 12. It says, when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Now, that's kind of fancy speech, even in the ESV there. Most of us, when we say something like that, we don't say, we ceased. We would say, we stopped, or a very common way would be to say, we gave up. In fact, that's what caught my eye as I was reading sometime back the Revised English Bible, and that's how it words that passage. It says, since he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And that kind of stuck out to me for some reason when I read it, and I thought about that. And here you have Luke, along with other spiritually-minded people, and they see Paul, and they try and use this message as a warning. They say, Paul, you don't have to be arrested. You don't have to be bound. There's other things that you can do. Please stay away. And they're urging him in this, even Luke. But Paul has his mind set, and he says, I don't care if I am arrested. I'm ready to be arrested. I'm ready to die if I need to. I'm going forward. And finally, Luke and the others, they have no other choice but to just give up. And he says, that's what we did. We gave up. But notice what he says with that. He says, we gave up and said, let the will of the Lord be done. 
I think there are some times in life that we probably need to make the same decision and we need to give up. And so I want to just look at that for a little while this evening. Now that, that word that's translated in the ESV as ceased or in that revised English Bible as give up, it's actually kind of an interesting word. In the ESV, that's the only time it's translated as ceased. But the Greek word actually literally means to be still or to be at rest, to be peaceable or to be quiet. And silent. So you could kind of read that passage there that Luke was and these others were urging and they were begging Paul. And finally he said, and so we were quiet. We quit talking. We quit urging Paul. We were just quiet. We were at rest. We were still. And we let Paul go forward with his plans with the intention that the Lord's will be done. This word is used in some other places. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 10 through 11 Paul says to the Thessalonian Christians, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. That word quietly, it's the same word that in Acts 21 is translated as ceased or give up. It's an idea that instead of being nosy, instead of forcing one's way and forcing one's will, it's a willingness to be quiet, to be peaceable, to do what needs to be done to follow the will of the Lord. That's what Paul encouraged the Thessalonian Christians to do, was to simply live a quiet and a faithful life. In Acts 11, verses 17 and 18, uh, when Peter was giving the report about um, taking the message to the Gentiles, if you remember in Acts chapter 10, Peter was called over to Cornelius' household, and Cornelius had been told to send for him. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was a Gentile, and yet Peter went, and he was even in this man's house, and he preached the gospel, and the Spirit fell upon Cornelius and his household, making uh, it obvious to Peter and the others with him that God was opening the door and Gentiles were just as susceptible to the gospel message and to salvation as Jews. And so they were commanded to be baptized and the Gentiles became Christians. Well, when Peter returned to Jerusalem, there was a little bit of um, an upstart from that because some people had heard that Peter had gone into the house of Gentiles and some of these Christians are still clinging to very Jewish concepts. And so Peter has to tell the story of what has happened and how he was and the vision he received and how he went and everything that happened. And in verses 17 and 18 of Acts 11, it says, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, that's those who were kind of challenging Peter and asking why he did this. When they heard these things, they fell silent. What did they do? They gave up their argument. They gave up their opposition. They gave up these words of, of worry and fretting about the Gentiles. They were silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Notice they weren't just completely silent. It's just that they stopped the course they were on. And in that silence, in that giving up of their thoughts and their ideas, and they trusted in, the, in God's way and they saw what God's will, how it was unfolding to bring in even the Gentiles to God's people. And they trusted his way. They didn't let their old ways of thinking. They didn't let their old prejudices. And now there were some people that would still have those problems. But these people in Acts 11, they gave up those things. And instead, they glorified God that the Gentiles could repent and taste eternal life 
also. So those are a couple of ways that word is used. But just in a broader sense, I think if we're honest, we see some other ways, some other things that from time to time we need to give up. Obviously, evil ways. Sin is something that when we find it in our life, we need to give up. Over in Jonah, you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah is called to go and preach the word to Nineveh. He's told to go and preach a message of warning so that those, those people in Nineveh, this is the capital of Assyria, can be warned of God's impending judgment if they don't change. And yet when Jonah finally, after the incident with the fish, and he finally listens to God and he goes and he preaches that message, yet 40 days and God's judgment would be upon them. And they, they changed, they repented. The, the king proclaimed a fast and for everyone to weep in sackcloth and ashes. And in Jonah 3 verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. Again, in the Revised English Bible, it says, When he saw how they gave up their wicked ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. There are things in our lives... Sometimes if we have not obeyed the gospel that are sinful, even if we have obeyed the gospel, perhaps there's something that we've allowed back into our lives and our thoughts and our actions and our words. Maybe in some way there is some evil that we hold on to and it needs to be given up. It needs to be let go of. It needs to be turned away from. Oh, God is a loving God. And He is a merciful God. And He is a God who is willing to extend forgiveness and is willing to reconcile with us. But that grace and that mercy is not just a free ticket to continue living however we want to. For God's mercy and grace to be impactful and to be beneficial, there's something required of us, and that is repentance, which is a giving up. Repentance is not just a, I feel bad for what I've done, but it is a desire and a commitment to change what I've done to stop doing things that God calls sinful, to start doing things that God calls righteous. We must give up our evil ways if we wish to be recipients of the Lord's grace and mercy. But also, right along with evil ways, we should also give up things like idols. In Revelation 9, verse 20, it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Speaking of the judgment of these people, they were judged and they were condemned because there were things that they should have given up, and they did not. Now, most of us here today, and this is something that's been brought up in many lessons from this pulpit, um, we don't worship idols of gold and silver and bronze. That is, we don't have statues that we bow down to. I don't think that we have little figurines in our house that we pray to. We don't have altars that we offer sacrifices to. So we might think that we don't need to give up idolatry. I believe our culture is as idolatrous as any culture has ever been. We may not have physical statues and false gods that we have created, that we've named, but we still worship idols of gold and silver, that's for sure. We worship money. We worship prestige. We worship career advancement. We worship fame. We worship safety. We worship pleasure. 
We put all of these things first in our lives. People will chase after these things at any and every cost because it is what they truly love and are devoted to. That's worship. That's idolatry. You don't have to bow down to a totem pole or to a statue. Whenever we put anything ahead of serving God, we talked this past Sunday about loving God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. Whenever we go away from that pattern and we love God half-heartedly because we really have a greater desire for something else, again, be it our job or our, uh, some relationship or some pleasure, we have something that comes between us and God. And how do you take care of idolatry? How do you fix idolatry? Do you, do you think God wanted the Israelites to just quit praying to those little idols that were on their mantles? Do you think he wanted them to keep those golden statues that might be in the center of town and just not pray to them anymore? No. He wanted them to give them up. He wanted them to get rid of them. Remember in Hezekiah's day, something that wasn't even an idol or hadn't been. Remember the bronze serpent that had been formed by Moses at the command of God in the wilderness. The Israelites had been complaining and God sent fiery serpents. And as an answer, when they finally turned and asked for God's forgiveness and his help, instead of just sending the serpents away, he told Moses to build this bronze serpent and to set it in the middle of the camp. And anybody that was bitten by a snake, if they would turn and they would look at that, that figure, they didn't worship that statue. But if they would turn and they looked at that bronze serpent, God would heal them. Well, that apparently was a national treasure that somehow lasted for centuries. And even in the day of Hezekiah, they still had it. That may have been the most priceless treasure that Israel owned by that point. Most of the other treasures that they had had were gone. Most of the gold from Solomon's temple had been taken off in various raids by that point but they still had that bronze serpent. But you know what they started to do? They started to worship it like an idol. And what did Hezekiah do? He destroyed it. Gave it up entirely. Made it so that it was impossible to bow down and worship that thing. He gave it up. And sometimes our idolatry might actually be more difficult in some ways because it might be easy to just throw away that carved image. But it's not always easy to give up on a relationship that is pulling us away from God. It's not easy to give up a career that's very successful and makes our living when we realize that it's an idol. It's not easy to give up some of the things that we cling to so dearly. But sometimes that's exactly what we need to do. Also, we should give up childish ways. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, I know that's in a bigger context as he's talking about love and spiritual gifts, but I think there's a principle there that we all understand, or at least we should understand. Life is about maturity. When we have children, we expect them to grow up and they do some very immature things. They do childish things. And when a six-year-old does childish things, we expect that. But we begin to correct them and we begin to advise them. When a 12 or 13-year-old does childish things, 
we still kind of expect it, but we might get onto them a bit more. And then when an 18-year-old does a childish thing, we still realize they're still very young, but it's time to stop doing this. And when a 30-year-old does childish things, we realize there's a problem. When a 40 and a 50 and a 60-year-old person behaves in immature and childish ways, there's a problem. And spiritually, the same thing is true. A new Christian, a person who is a babe in Christ, doesn't know everything. None of us know everything. But a babe in Christ is learning and growing. They'll make mistakes. There are ways they're going to stumble that we must not be overly harsh and critical about, but guide them, rebuke lightly as needed, and encourage and exhort and, and teach them and help them. But sometimes when it comes to spirituality, people have not made the step that Paul took for granted in his own life. They have not given up childish ways. They haven't grown they haven't moved from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. They haven't grown from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity. And if we're clinging on to old and childish ways, then maybe we need to give those things up. But as we talk about giving up, it's not just a bad thing. In fact, giving up the things that need to be given up is a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing, especially when it means trusting in God. Remember again, that story that we, we started with in Acts 21. Now, that wasn't going to be an easy road, but, but Luke said, we urged Paul and we urged Paul, but when it was clear that Paul was going, he says, we gave up and said, let the Lord's will be done. And that is a beautiful picture right there of what following Christ really is. It is a giving up of our own will, of our own desires, of our own uh, headstrongness and stubbornness. It is a giving up of trusting in self. And it is a placing of our trust in the Lord and in His will. And I don't mean this in some mystical, enigmatic, follow your feelings and call that the will of the Lord. I mean that in the sense of we grow and we learn the will of the Lord and we follow it. The just shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And sometimes that's hard in a world that's right in front of us to give up worldly ways, to give up the wisdom of this world and simply trust in the Lord's ways, especially when that's not always easy. I think Thomas, you know, Thomas gets a bad rap as being doubting Thomas, but in John's gospel, remember in John 11 when Jesus was going to go back to, to raise Lazarus from the dead, and the disciples said, Lord, if we return to Judea, they, they just tried to kill you if you don't remember that. And Jesus says, we're going. And it's Thomas who pipes up and he says, let us go also and die with him. That was kind of a morose thought, and that's not what happened but what had Thomas done there? He could have said that Thomas gave up. Now, he didn't give up on Jesus. But he was ready at that moment anyway to give up his own life. He was willing to give up his safety so that he could follow Jesus. Now it actually worked out much better than that, didn't it? He got to see an incredible miracle. He got to see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Look at what giving up and trusting and following the Lord did for him. Think about Luke and Paul. Exactly what the Holy Spirit said would happen, happened. Paul went back to Jerusalem before too long trouble starts. Paul's involved in a mob incident where they're about to kill him and he's arrested by the Romans. 
There's more plots on his life, and he ends up on a multi-year journey as a prisoner to Rome. That doesn't sound very good, does it? But think about all the things that happened because of that trip. Paul preached the gospel everywhere he went. There are letters that are in our New Testament that were written by Paul while he was a prisoner during this time that are powerful and wonderful letters for the church. There were Roman soldiers. There were members of Caesar's household that heard the gospel that maybe wouldn't have otherwise. There were folks on that island of Malta where Paul got shipwrecked that heard the gospel and were converted to King Jesus that probably wouldn't have been visited by Paul otherwise. It wasn't an easy journey. It wasn't a simple journey. But look what happened when they gave up and they trusted in the Lord. And there's a beautiful peace when we truly relinquish all the worry and stress and just simply follow the Lord. In fact, I think we see this even in Jesus' very final moments, the life of surrender. Remember Jesus on the cross. Luke's version in Luke 23 verse 46 says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Like the way John puts that same concept. He says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He gave up. He didn't give up on you. And he didn't give up on me. But the very author of life, the God of all creation, gave up his spirit and tasted death and entrusted his soul to his heavenly father. In the most violent and tortuous death that you could possibly imagine, it ends in a scene of peaceful tranquility as Jesus simply says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he gave up. Again, that's the perfect life of obedience and faithfulness, and that's the life that we can have. To simply give up the ways of the world, to give up those vices that hold us back, to give up those things that distract, and to trustingly and obediently walk in the Lord and trust in His will and trust in His way. And I hope that each and every day, I hope this sermon, this simple study encourages us to think about what things in our lives maybe we need to give up here and there and what ways we can trust the Lord a little bit more.